0: Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host, Divraj, and on this podcast, I speak with founders, investors, and domain experts from the Indian Valley, trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode, I speak with Ishpreet Singh Gandhi, the founder and managing partner of Stride Ventures. Stride Ventures is a venture capital firm That provides alternative financing options for startups beyond equity financing the audacious goal for stride is to become the startup bank of india and in less than three years it has amazed us all with the phenomenal progress it has made stride has raised two successive funds in this duration and has a portfolio of greater than 30 companies including legendary organizations such as sugar cosmetics Zetwork, infra dot market pocket aces and more through this conversation i discussed with ishpri the founder of stride the nuances that go into establishing an institution of the nature of stride we decode the roller coaster ride it has been understand from his vantage point what great companies are made up of and primarily what it means for a first-time fund manager to set up institutional practice while building out a category beyond equity in Indian venture. Thus, without further ado, let's dive in to the 70th episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast, Building... The Startup Bank of India, with Ishpreet Singh Gandhi of Stride Ventures. Thank you so much, Ishpreet, for joining me. Really glad to be hosting you today.
1: Thank you, Jibraj, for uh, having me on the show. It's a pleasure It's all mine.
0: Great to hear that, Ishpreet. And I'm especially excited to host you because I think... uh, The asset class and the difference that you're creating in the ecosystem is pretty unique. And I want to gauge that at the start by understanding from you what category creation in venture capital means. This is especially because I think venture capital by definition is in the business of funding companies which create categories. But the category creation in the asset class itself has been traditionally low. So if you can give us a flavor of what you're doing at Stride and also combine with that, you know, the disruption that you're doing in the ecosystem purely providing different and unique modes of financing. I think that would give us a great flavor to get started.
1: Great. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Jivraj. Uh, So uh, maybe I'll create a base of the discussion in terms of what you have asked in terms of where I come from. So... I'm an ex-corporate uh, banker. I've worked with foreign and Indian banks across sectors. So small, medium enterprises, commercial, large corporates. That's how typically banking is defined in India. And that's defined in terms of the revenues at what companies scale. And personally, coming from a business family, I always had a penchant towards looking at startups. So while funding large corporates, multinational corporates, I actually got an inclination of working with some of the venture capital funds and understanding what kind of pain points they face for their portfolio companies. That's when in 2000, after, so I've been a banker for 14, 15 years. And uh, uh, in 2015, uh, Serendipity had it. I, I was speaking to some of the venture capital funds and a couple of opportunities came in where they wanted a banking support. It was not not quite straight jacketed because as you would imagine, banks do not fund this sector in a, in a very natural manner. So uh, that's where the opportunity came in. And I just wanted to do something extra for this company and uh, knowing that... Understood the business. There were certain working capital requirements. The company was funding portion of capital which could have been easily replaced by debt. And actually, that's how the 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 introduction towards venture capital happened to me in terms of ensuring that you can support some of the companies while they do not dilute uh, or they can use alternate sources of capital rather than equity capital. So that's that started in two thousand fifteen. A couple of initial companies were were the likes of Mira and Cart and uh, all of them companies who whether it's the initial years or later have done phenomenally well and and whole point was how within venture capital you can create something which is looked upon which is not uh, looked from a perspective of being difficult if you if you categorize debt as a as a term in india it's considered obligatory it's considered not not meaningful in nature it's considered as maybe unsexy comparatively to venture capital so the whole whole point and thought was that how can you make it founder friendly and how can you create products which can be founder friendly? So I tried doing a lot from the bank since 2015 when I entered into it. A couple of years, two, three years, funded companies from a couple of banks, created a vertical out of that. But then again, the limitations of banks kept on coming in to create a meaningful book out of that. And that's how Stride happened. I came out of my last in from IDFC and initiated in Stride Ventures in 18N. And I think it's it's a sheer combination of how ecosystem has perceived us to be more of a friend rather than. Uh, a product which, which is for the sake of it and the way we have customized requirements as per the business models as per the businesses is what Shride has transformed into today which is sacrosanct of the kind of companies we have done the unique structures we have done and more importantly I think asset class, venture lending in India has picked up well. Within venture capital I think there is a significant alternate source of financing which has come in seeing the kind of requirements which our current Indian startup ecosystem provides I think that's where uh that's where this asset class becomes quite interesting and we can go deeper in, uh, into the discussion. But uh, that's how typically I think uh, an alternate source of financing in debt can play out and uh, creating solutions for the founders is something which we have been working for.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, that's fabulous to hear, and you know, it's good to see that there's more education now around alternative asset classes and financing means, right? That you are championing the cause for, and it's just good to see the success that has followed. Because I'm guessing you know around thirty plus companies in the last a brief time that you've been there, around less than three years almost. So uh, I'm sure that the ecosystem is taking it well. But a double clicking factor there, Ishpreet, is you know how 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 much has evangelism played a role in this very aspect, right? Because this conversation as a means to what you're doing is also in a way evangelism, right? And so much of category creation evolves that help us understand uh, what the role of evangelism has been for Stride and for you personally.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Jibra. I think it's a very relevant question in our scheme of things as well. So uh, evangelism in terms of when you look at this asset, when you look at a venture capital ecosystem, You have early stage venture capital funds, you have mid stage or late stage. This year has already produced in 2021 more than $20 billion of inflow. While we talk about the maturity of the venture capital ecosystem, which is happening in India. I think what's also important is to understand that when that happens, the maturity of the venture capital ecosystem happens of a country. Alternate financing also picks up. You've seen it in Europe, you've seen it in US, US constitutes 13 to 15% of the venture capital market, Europe constitutes 8 to 10% of the venture capital market. And the whole aspect of understanding what a fund is looking for, for its portfolio company or what a what a founder is looking at its, its own company is itself very exploratory. So it requires education, not at the, maybe only at the company's level, but at the funds level as well. Sometimes they understand how traditional venture debt works. Because venture debt, as classic tool, is coming on top of equity finance, and ensuring that you you actually provide a better return of return on equity because the equity efficiencies goes up, and founders dilution gets protected. And you come in at a certain stage when there are certain revenues in the business. You can't come in pre-stage at the concept at a pre-seed seed rounds. Typically, it comes in when the business has achieved certain lines. The concept level has been taken care of. The, the business model has been true and then you've gotten to the next stage. And that's where I think a lot of founders while they're building good businesses, right? typically what happens is they end up concentrating on raising equity capital and hence the the cycle of treadmill of dilutions right? which happens. And for good companies it's now, now vice versa. They've been chased by all the investors. You've seen rounds happening in three, three months or two months uh, in today's time. So what, what happens is sometimes they're not able to understand the own relevance of dilution that how can they possibly protect that in terms of ensuring that they can use There can be certain use cases and that use cases is something what what we've been educating for the past two years that if you're a working capital intensive b2b commerce business that can be replaced some form of capital can be re- replaced by debt if you're a d2c we have funded a lot of consumer companies seven of them this year close to, um, there's, there's a sanction close to 300 crores, which we have done in D2C itself in 2021. And all those D2C brands have a life of inventory, have a life of receivables, whether it's online receivables through the organic platform or offline receivable through the distribution channel, and then their payables. It has a its own cycle. And that's where at founders, since they, they're typically building on their business and the product, these financial structures do not come very common. So what we do is we work very closely with the venture capital community and say, all your portfolio companies, you want to curate structure, which is as per their business model. An ed-tech company should not have the same debt structures versus a SaaS company. A SaaS company should not have a same debt structure versus a consumer company. The consumer company should not have the same against the B2B commerce and vice versa, or agri-tech, healthcare, we have invested in a lot in healthcare as well. So the whole point is, if you're able to curate structures, which is what the company requires, which is what a venture capital fund at the same time, you can be their eyes and ears in terms of doing a credit track record of these companies, building a credit hygiene, and eventually they can move towards a large portion of their alternate financing with us and the banks. I think that's what, for us, that education is all about. And I think that that has played a significant role in the past two years, Javraj. If you see the portfolio, what you mentioned of Stride, it has a lot to do with that in terms of going and deepening or creating awareness in terms of what you've been doing and how it can be possibly good for those companies rather than rather than taking that for the sake of it
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, I cannot agree more. And I see a lot of parallels of that with any founder as well, right? When somebody's creating a category creating product, you have to build so much of the market as you go, not just focus on what you're doing. And that becomes an essential component, as you mentioned, and I love that. A k- quick double clicking factor here, Ishpreet, is you know, so much of what you're doing is also considered traditionally as technical, right? Something that can be known as jargon friendly, right? Because there's so many structures that make not be easily understood in layman terms help us understand how much of simplifying goes into what you do and how do you essentially break down technical concepts in a simplifying manner right I think that would be an interesting factor uh, if you have any thoughts
1: yeah so I think you're right uh, this perceived technical since we come from finance background maybe uh, we think it's it's quite easily understandable but and but but I hear you I think most of the founders do not Either have time or do not want to bring in that kind of thought to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I think the plain form of making it understandable to your audience right now or, or the founder of the startup community is, is typically in terms of understanding this as an extension of a fintech vertical attached to you. So let's presume you're a any company, you're a logistics company or ag- agriculture company or education company. If you want to build a fintech layer out of that, how can you do it innovatively? Do you want to do it in-house? Or do you want to create structures which can be more nimbler as per requirement? If you want to fund your customers, if you want to fund your vendors, and if you want to fund your business, right? what are the ways is what we define in a very, very simplified manner. If you want to fund yourself, you might be funding yourself for runway. You don't want to raise equity today. Or that equity raising has a cost. If you double your revenue in the next six to nine months and raise debt today, that multiple will change. And the debt, IRA, debt return, the, the protection which you have done today can be Very valuable for you. That for that's for your own business, if you've taken debt directly on your business, right? And the working capital is nothing but supplying your customers' receivables. So if you have sold a product, you will get money, but the money will take time to come. You can fund that. If you have again, if somebody is supplied to you, rather than you paying them today, you can delay that payable for a period of time, and that's payable financing for you. And and if similarly, if you're a brand or if you're a B2B commerce business, if you're sitting on in, in stock or inventory, which takes time to get sold, you can finance that. So any layer around this, whether it's your receivables, it's payables, it's your customer, and depending on what business you are, it's financing around that in a very simplified manner. And what happens is, if you, if you compare it with banking, banking, large corporates, MNCs, large corporate, Indian large corporates, have a lot of banks supporting them. In startups, banks do not support. So how do you get that? How do you engage with your vendor? How do you engage with your customer, right? How how do you protect yourself is what we are trying to build in financial structures. So in a simplified manner, that's how we we understand every business and we create a structure around that. And we've already done eight, 10 different structures. So I don't want to go complexity wise in terms of those structures, but the essence is financing anything and everything. If we are comfortable on the business model of the company and the kind of company it is and kind of investors are backing them, we can create any financial structure.
0: No, that's very interesting to hear and very refreshing in fact you know i think that was like a quick 101 on the different types of financing there is but uh, great to know that so much of this is also happening in the ecosystem and the response is wonderful i, I think i now want to shift gears and you know understand more and dive deeper from your vantage point as to observing the portfolio companies and how you made decisions with the portfolio perhaps a good question there perhaps is you know just understanding given that considering this stage at which you enter in a particular company, we can say, assume perhaps that PMF has been reached for these companies, right? So when we talk about product market fit, there's a lot written about it already. And we've seen a lot of founders define it in their own way. There's no one right answer. But given that you've observed it from a breadth scenario, Ishpeth, what do you think product market fit looks like? I know it's going to be different for different companies, different sectors, whatnot. But if you had to lay it down for us as to what product market fit signals look like, I think that'd be great for all but entrepreneurs listening in yeah for me it's very
1: simple uh, again uh, coming from a financial background i always look at product market fit. when your customers start funding you right when can customer start paying for your product and you want something they'll support you is your product market fit because you've got it going for yourself in a very in a very very straight manner in an elaborative manner it definitely has to be a repeat ratio of the lifetime value of that customer which you have defined today when you say that the product market fit has been achieved. Because there's been a lot of disruption through tech across sectors, Jivraj. I think the way we educate, the way we consume, the way we use logistics, the way we do healthcare today, it's changed what it was pre-COVID. And all of that has resulted into a lot of companies coming in their own sectors and trying to disrupt. The whole point is, if you've got that right, right kind of ingredient to get yourself going for a repetitive customer in a paying manner most importantly rather than in a freemium model is where I, I perceive product market fit as right you've got a paid customer who's hooked on you and you can validate that maybe month on month for past six months and say okay i'm in that state that this i'm hooked with my business it might be at series a it might be at cdc that's a byproduct specific right but that product market fit is I guess.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's great to hear. I think uh, very simplified and very true in my opinion as well. And uh, wonderful to know that, you know, that can be a leading metric of when your consumers are funding you, you're perhaps good to go and proven that this is the long run. Wonderful. I think the second aspect of this is, you know, decision making in its sense, right? So I'm sure that given uh, your type of financing is perhaps different, but not as different from equity financing. If you can ponder a bit and help us understand what goes into the decision making process process of getting conviction built in a company and then funding that company in some shape or form with some instrument? Uh, How do you do that? What are the kind of variables that go into that? I think that'd be great to understand. Sure. So
1: first of all, uh, it's a very relevant question in the scheme of this discussion, what we're having today. First of all, uh, the truth is that equity can't be funded by debt and debt can't be funded by equity. So that's, that's a base rule. Because if you are if you're already dying, there's no point taking debt. This can only further complicate the scenarios. Right? So there are certain structures in which which goes through in order to make sure that it's it's a value add for a company taking, it's a value add for the investor who's invested in them. And for a lender also, you you feel that you've given a significant value add or a fillip to a company at the right time. And that's where typically what we look at, Jivraj, what I uh, hinted towards my initial conversation, that basically your product you've got your product right you have a paying customer you have revenue started coming in that's stable revenues you uh and those those revenues will further get amplified in various manner what kind of amplification will happen what kind of receivables it is is something else what kind of in- investors are backing you and then more importantly what kind of when you go deeper in terms of understanding the, the, the business market which you're trying to cater has become very important in today's time. When, when we were funding, when I've been funding since 2015-16, it was all about domestic market. Today, that might not be the case because it can be domestic, it can be a global. you have seen what happened recently with the great listing in a SaaS company. Did. And similarly, domestically, what kind of consolidation you're doing? Consolidation has also become a norm. Like how you see the business moving for yourself in the next two, five years. So while largely, you look at the market size, which is common to venture capital investment, the kind of founders running it, the, the kind of team who's trying to make it happen. But nuances wise, you go more deeper and understand the suppliers, the vendors, the quality of the product, the revenues, which will be stacked up. Because as I said, debt typically has certain use cases. You give it at a time and it can be a real fillip for the business. When you're saying, okay, I've got it going for myself, I'll definitely do not want to dilute, have more confidence in my business, than what I had before as a founder. And that's why I don't want to dilute. And anything non-dilutive not is something which I'll take because I'm more confident on my business. right? So I think all these factors, a combination of what we see and what a founder see becomes
0: important for every case and every sector which we look at. Fair enough. No, that, that makes sense. And I think, you know, I'm I'm sure that there are a set of variables that have to fit the bill. And only then do you further go into it. Yeah, there are. Yeah. So there are 18 criteria in an official
1: manner, which I don't want to go through. But there are 18 yeah. criteria what we follow, which is like the scoring what we do in order to create a viable structure around that. But I don't want to go deeper. It's 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 more of financial structures, but whole point is something which we have got it. I think your revenues is going, your product market fits. And you are more confident about yourself to take an obligation and repay an obligation, because if you, if you do it at a time and you require an equity, you actually do bad for yourself because business re- do require equity, which is long-term in nature and require debt, which can be shorter tenure as per requirements of the business.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, makes sense. And I think the golden rule there is it's not a problem of or. I think it's not equity or debt. It's more like and, right? So that that's insightful for sure, Ishpeth. But I'll just request you to maybe also help us understand that. Have you seen any similarities? Because I'm sure that, Okay, let's consider that there are hundred companies that fit the bill and fit the variables that there are there. You can't possibly finance all. So, what goes into building conviction in those couple of them? What are the factors that definitely stand out? If you've seen any patterns building, just for just to understand, you know, what makes great companies great in some sense and what has made the great portfolio stand out? I think that'll be very helpful.
1: No, no, absolutely. I think look, you you can't you can't uh, uh definitely distinguish too much into great team and great product and the great market opportunity what they are catering to so a mm-hmm. lot of things jibraj the base of the discussion or base of the assessment remains same between venture cap- capital and lending mm-hmm. you can't distinguish that so if you are do not have a passionate founder so for example when you saying okay three companies are similar and they pass the bill they are in the same sector say consumer what will ensure that we one we prefer one over to because you rightly said you can't fund all in two and a half years. In second fund, we have funded 30 plus companies while analyze thousand companies, which are venture capitalists. So the whole point is you have to go through those criteria and those criteria will come in in the form. If I've looked at two, three consumers, two, three consumer companies at stride and how the growth has happened in the last 12 months, how the, how the return on equity, if they've raised an equity round, how that equity has been efficiently deployed. Because in today's time, raising is not a problem. Everybody is practically getting funded today. right? How do you efficiently deploy that equity capital as the quality of a good founder? Because I think golden rule is raised uh, when the time is right. But more important rule also is to make sure that you spend wisely and you have a better return on equity return metrics. Gross margins and the business contribution margin has been poor to us. So uh, none of our companies which we have funded are negative contribution margin. So while you might be going... Greatly on gross uh, GMVs of the world and uh, and the overall uh, and your CACs might be uh, notionally uh, lower than the market in terms of the product market which you have done for yourself, but but more importantly is is the contribution margin level to CM2, CM3, what kind of metrics you have there? Is the company unit economics positive if they stop today for their growth? Can they stand alone? Be a profitable company. The reason where they're burning is because of their corporate cost, marketing cost, expansion in other sites. But if the product is good and and naturally the founders' ability to tide on. Uh, so some of these companies are three four years old. How they've how they've gone through the last three four years journey and how this and their vision uh, using the capital, the kind of capital they're about to get debt and equity both and the metrics of financial metrics remains parallel. So in three consumer companies, you have to distinguish more about uh, how they efficiently capital the quality of the management team and what they see going forward as a as a right structure for themselves we have seen a lot of companies who have worked very well in terms of consolidation they've moved very well in the last 12 months versus some of the companies not been more introspective about themselves and right moves at right stage can matter so i think it's a combination it's a combination of all the factors we have some lovely companies in our portfolio and all of them we believe are market winners and all of them i think have done most of these things right so as to make sure that they have that ingredients to grow well.
0: yeah no definitely i'm sure that is too and uh, that's very insightful to hear i mean you know just the capital utilization aspect that you mentioned i think that's very important too in the barrage of things and media can you know hype capital raising but spending capital becomes equally important if not more uh so yeah i think I, i love that uh, further, you know, uh, Ishpira, I want to understand, and this is something you mentioned in the past, uh, in terms of governance and, uh, you know, ensuring that companies set the right fundamentals for the longer run, because typically cycles can be lower here, maybe even the if the debt is structured for 18, 24 months, that can that cycle can end, but you want to stick around with them, help the finance their consumers, whatnot, right? And that calls for a longer partnership, which needs a greater governance support as well. Help us understand what you've seen and how much have companies started focusing on strong governance? And what do you think are some factors that go into building the right building blocks for the longer road ahead? I think that would be very helpful in terms of an aspirational goal setting, perhaps.
1: No, this is uh, this is a very relevant point, Jivraj, and I don't think it should be looked from a perspective of venture lending only or what we do in terms of funding. startups. I think uh, great versus good versus bad companies are actually sometimes based on governance as well, because governance can go a long way in terms of your perception as a company to get right kind of capital also sometimes. A lot of companies have not got that kind of support because they didn't have that elementary things in them. So uh, for, for us as governance, one thing is tangible, one thing is intangible. Tangible governance includes what kind of auditors, what kind of stakeholder partners you have got, the quality of those partners to give that comfort that, okay, they have followed the top of the institutional who are governing them in terms of whether you're hiring for taxation, you're hiring for auditing, you're hiring for any other matters which are compliance oriented and intangibles, which is the most important. So we, we do a lot of checks internally about companies which can be analyzing how they use, uh, what kind of salary growth they are doing, and how the payouts are happening, how the other financial structures have evolved in the last twelve months, what kind of projections they have come, and how they've delivered. One thing which people do not consider as a part of governance, which which I or Stride has uh, specifically we have been uh, evolving that is, if you have projected something to us two years back, what it has come out in the last two years. It Talks a bit about the founders and the and the vision of the company, right? It's good to give a glorious financials projections but it's imperative to walk the talk. So rather, in since you mentioned that you want to fund these companies again, we have rather funded all, almost all the companies again. We are, might be in their second cycle. Right? So we definitely look at a lot of intangibles in terms of, we've been part of both, we've been as a board observer in a lot of companies. So the quality of the board governance meetings, the things which the founders are articulating there, uh, the hygiene checks, which they believe are very critical for creating the DNA of the firm from top to bottom. How centrically, uh, how decentralized is the firm versus run by a, a a single show all of these intangible goes a long way in terms of uh, creating a perception about a company, which is which is actually unsaid but people realize that right so uh, i think uh, the governance for us is all of these uh, all of these intangibles plus tangibles uh, gives you a lot of confidence in terms of not having sleepless nights if you have funded some companies in our portfolio that these companies would governance would not disappoint us right so it's it's quite evident actually moment you start looking at a lot of companies
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, again, I think very, very insightful, because makes a ton of sense. And just echoes the fact that it is equally important if not more again right because you can't possibly just run the company focus on growth focus on building the product without good governance these are the smaller things that can make a difference between great companies so great to have that on the record um, further you know I want to ask and understand from your lens as to what stakeholder management means for you especially considering that you're working with a bunch of banks a bunch of VC funds in parallel to either educate to either fund their companies to either like form products and different types of, you know, uh, instruments, uh, what goes into ensuring that each of these different pieces are falling in sync, and that you can maintain the right set of partnerships with the banks, with the funds, with the companies, I think that would be interesting to gauge not just from, you know, a very standard VC, a founder lens, but also from a VC bank, VC fund lens, and that would be very, very different to hear.
1: Quite, uh, 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 it's a great question, actually. So look, uh, any brand in India, uh, Javraj, uh, in terms of what we are doing and what how we've gone about it in the past couple of years specifically, stakeholder management is the most critical aspect. We would not have these kind of companies. Unicorns is a byproduct, but the quality of the companies which we've got, if if the founders do not talk good about ourselves, similarly if the banks are not confident working with us or the venture capital funds are not confident working with us as part so i think it's it's a difficult business from a perspective of keeping everyone because you're a lender right sometimes you might have might be in difficult scenarios to take a call with, especially during pandemic and uh, seeing the business movements and banks have expectations that if it's right uh, we're going by some underwriting practices how it's that followed so I think, uh, and it's, it's actually coming right from my heart because i uh, been very, very particular about it as in, within the firm, that it's difficult, but it's definitely something where you can give your 100% and, uh, and provide that comfort for, for the stakeholders to speak the same language. I think brand equity for any, any firm, whether you're a venture capital firm or a venture lending firm or a startup itself, plays a vital role in, in today's ecosystem it's a small ecosystem uh, while we have thousand of the companies uh, 27 unicorns and counting and uh, sunicorns minicorns etc uh, so many venture capital funds but the ecosystem is small developed right so you can't take away you have to you have to do difficult discussion um, discussions decisions at the same time if it is done as per, in genuine manner in a very institutionalized manner by right? taking care of your stakeholders and communicating right and communicating honestly i think by default you'll have a very strong brand for yourself or a strong franchise for yourself. so it's equal it's very important i think it's an integral part of the firm especially if you're not in the room What your stakeholders talk about you is what you get right that's that's what brand equity is all about so i think we've been very very particular about that uh, and uh, it's it's naturally improvised getting improvised daily we have a very large team now so it's very important as a fund with 27 member team now to ensure that everybody follows the same language, right? That's that's what we have to achieve. And uh, I think it's it's critical for any firm to do it. And for in our case, as you rightly mentioned, since it's banks and there are a lot of banks we're working with and they're funding our companies on the basis of our credit assessments, uh, the quality of the information and the uh, content of the information and the governance of the information and uh, our, our way of working with them and communicating well is equally important.
0: So I think it's right up there in the scheme of things. For sure, no, that's again, very heartwarming to hear because it's a very diverse pool of stakeholders that Tide is especially dealing with. And to know that it's up there as a priority and is being looked into with extreme care is very, very heartwarming to look. I think this has been wonderful and this line of thought covers most of, you know, understanding and gauging your vantage point. I'm going to move further and as we conclude the episode, understand more about how you've thought about building Stride, especially because, you know, considering that you're a first-time fund manager, there are multiple nuances that go into it. But building an institution from scratch and then taking it up to pioneering the entire cause of venture capital beyond equity financing, is tremendous in itself. So if you can help us understand what the institutional approach had tried has been, what you set out to achieve, maybe lay down the mission vision for us and where we currently add and what do you see the next two, three couple of years to be as, I think that would paint a good enough picture for us as to how a first-time fund manager scales institutional practice in a non-typical equity financing sector. First of all,
1: thank you for your kind words. I, I don't... Don't know whether we deserve all of them. But so, so Stride's vision is very simple, uh, Jiv When I was in banks, I got limited from a perspective of taking care of all the startups. And that, that eagerness of creating a financial institution for startups is what my pitch deck was in 2019, January, when Stride as an idea came in. So uh, I think that's not changed at all. We definitely want to be the, the bank for startups or financial institution for startups, and we're evolving into a lot of products, uh, which which is uh, sacrosanct to that. So fund management was the first aspect. So uh, we become became CB AF two category registered fund. Fund one uh, got oversubscribed. Very kind of the ecosystem to to uh, support us. Some of the professionals who, who knew me and our colleagues previously. Uh, fund two uh, has off, has been off to a great start. We've been we'll be practically be there with all the top companies operating in India, right, in some manner or the other. And the whole vision, uh, since you asked, about Bhardwaj, is is how do we, at the earliest, become that go-to lender that if I am want to fund anything in startup ecosystem, this is the brand to go to. Is where we are moving towards. So we are building our new initiative around NBFC, uh, where we are uh, getting a lot of tech and NBFC in place to do supply chain financing with banks. So that goes beyond the companies in terms of uh, supply chain financing. And similarly, other initiatives are also coming in play just to get the positioning for a founder that any kind of financing is available with a firm called Stride, which is an extension. And any company can become a fintech. If you are any, as I said earlier in the podcast, any sector company can attach ourselves and become a fintech company for their stakeholders is where we are going towards, which, which is a massive opportunity in India. I think it, going beyond venture debt was a thought on the day one that what we have to take care of is to make sure that we go along with the existing firms and first of all, inform about venture debt rather than going beyond about that, right? So, But now I think in the past six, nine months, we have realized that it's a good time to uh, diversify and uh, we've started building on that initiative. I think uh, this is the first discussion I'm going about that. We believe that uh, there'll, be, uh, there'll be every kind of financing available for startups, and we want to be that provider. And that's where our new initiatives are towards as well. So it's, it's, you can say safely that we want to become a bank for startups, a so financial institution for startups
0: wonderful i think that's phenomenal to hear and that vision is definitely audacious we all hope in the ecosystem that that gets achieved and it's evidently towards that pathway what i also want to understand is ispeed perhaps if you can you know help us understand that when you move from let's say one type of financing to the other or when you include different product suits, right i'm calling it product suits for the ease of understanding perhaps uh, how difficult or easy is it to let's say inform an existing company or what's the strategy like when you're launching a separate vertical of sorts, uh, if you can help us understand that from more a, more like a founder lens as opposed to a fund manager lens, I think that would be interesting purely from an objective of what's the go-to-market strategy for that aspect and how that plays out in venture capital per se.
1: Yeah, yeah. no. so actually it's, it's quite synonymous in terms of the business what we are doing right now we have been uh, doing balance sheet funding to startups, which remains core to it. So which means that we fund startups directly for their respective cases, including consolidation of companies and other things which are happening, international financing, purchase financing, a lot of structures which we have done. But uh, I think the whole point is some of these founders or businesses are not prepared for that right now or are not looking at it right now. It might not be an opportunity there, but we want to work with them. And I think that's where uh, this extension makes a lot of sense where, uh, where it's quite synonymous because you are ultimately financing and you're financing the stakeholder remains the startup or the company, the growth stage company typically. Uh, you're providing them an infrastructure to grow their business. It's, a, it's an avenue to grow business. Finance is a byproduct because moment you go to your customers and vendors and say, I'm available for finance, you, you start giving competition to established firms. Because that's where the accessibility of finance is more. So it's a very, very, I don't think we have to go and build it out in a differentiated manner. I think the similar stakeholders, whether it's startups or the venture capital funds, it becomes, uh, it becomes synonymous to what Stride has been in, in innovation in debt in the past couple of years. So we want to say that the, 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 we want to fund the entire ecosystem of the same startup, and that, that becomes an extension to what we've been doing. So, I don't think it requires and the same banks, same infrastructure, same stakeholders. So, there's no differentiated element as such there, except the fact that you need to have a different kind of team and expertise within the firm to take care of that uh, aspect of working closely with companies, because that's more retail than, um, than what we do in uh, stride ventures in terms of printing language.
0: Got it. Fair enough. I think, you know, the fact that you already had that built in distribution in terms of, you know, having the set of founders and companies that you're working with, these just become alternative ways to uh, finance and help them and partner with them. So I think uh, it becomes synchronous with it. So wonderful to hear that. In fact, I think I have one last question on this aspect where I would love to understand how you've gone about building the organization, right? So from one to 25, 27 members, as you mentioned in the fund now, uh, how has it been to establish, establish culture and build up the team for stride especially considering that this is still a newer at least in relative comparison to equity financing since this is a newer sort of an asset class what has been your strategy in getting the best talent and ensuring that they're all bound by the same vision that perhaps you thought of one day put in that deck and now that it's scaling uh, towards the entire team? i think that would be uh, all in all great to hear I think uh, I've taken
1: some tricks of trade in terms of looking at good founder over years. One of the most important things which I've done as a, as a person who headed regions earlier from banks as well, is to make sure that person, whomsoever uh, you get in the firm, uh, love, love their job, love what they do. And the attitude is the more, most important aspect. For, for me personally, Javraj, attitude has been above skill set. Because I think that the buoyancy which startup ecosystem is creating, it's attracting a lot of talent. Most important is the, the 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 attitude of the people coming in. In our case, naturally the only thing which you have to take care of is, is understanding a bit of financial services. So for example, my colleague was a managing partner, Abhinav, he was ex-head of risk of IDFC. Apova has become a partner, earlier principal comes from a financial services background. And some of the other people who've joined us over a period of time. Namath, Rajit, et cetera, have come from financial services to a certain extent. Some of them have not. But the attitude about doing something uh, which is meaningful in nature, getting up in the morning, creating a dent uh, in terms of uh, ensuring that they are counted in scheme of things matters. It matters for every firm, whether you're a venture institution or or you're a startup. So I think uh, the whole point is we've seen zero attrition in the firm uh, since the time we've started. While uh, we can argue it's a small firm, but it's venture uh, within within venture capital or venture lending, we have not seen anything. The whole point is, I think all of them are working for the one cause. The way we have built up the team is uh, is that there's a lot of skin in the game. People are involved from a perspective of creating this as an institution and together. And uh, even when we when the pandemic one came in, when we were just building our fund one. I think that the team stood up in a manner in which it's very different difficult to do it when, when you're a younger firm comparatively and uh, standing tall in terms of ensuring that over Zoom what we have been able to manage through fundraise and deployment has been has been always because of the team I don't think you can do it alone so uh, I think that the the DNA is all about uh, they being an entrepreneur within themselves so that they are not they're only looking up to us in terms of certain guidance but they've been empowered to do a lot of things a principal associate of in our firm can close a transaction right uh, the ability is there to close a transaction right so i think it's 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 all all about that uh, empowering which just brings the best out of the person is what uh, personally we try to follow i think it has worked well i think hungry and uh, hungry people who are obsessed about creating something for themselves uh, and that attitude and desire burning desire What one of our co-founders say, who's a good friend, uh, makes this uh, quite interesting
0: that's great to hear I think you know so much I see a lot of parallels with the entrepreneurial culture as you mentioned and that I think uh, is one of the secrets of success and hopefully that continues uh, going upwards um, this has been wonderful Ishpreet. and now you know as we close down the conversation I want to uh, take a couple of quick minutes to understand more about your persona uh, more personal questions in a qualitative sense and uh, close it down with that but I think uh, one question there will definitely be and this is a question i love to ask founders, Uh, but flipping the table here and understanding from you as to how have you grown as Stride has grown? Because, you know, it's often that when you start something disruptive, uh, that organization is almost scaling itself at, let's say, for the benefit of the conversation 2x. And you have to keep up at its pace, right? Because otherwise, you're going to get left out, especially given that you're building the org. So if you had to lay it down for us as to how you have evolved over this journey, uh, considering what street was November 2018 to what you are right now, I think that would be very interesting to just understand better. That's
1: uh, honestly, I've done a lot of podcast. Uh, nobody has asked asked me this, so uh, I, I like to I like to ponder over it myself. But it's not that I don't do uh, because in case I'm on flights or get some time with me, I'll always try to justify being being a founder of a venture capital firm or a venture lending firm or an institution. What we are transforming. And because you're, you're practically uh, building funds, you're raising, you're deploying, analyzing at the same time, ensuring governance, you have to upkeep, trust me on that, all of the all, all of the people have to upkeep their skill set as well. Right. So how do you do that? I think uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. I think uh, firm people within the firm are better to answer this than me. But yeah, I, I definitely i am that kind of person who, who would want people to look up to rather than uh, rather than being a directive person in terms of giving direction, because you can control certain things. So I think, first of all, self-respect is the most important thing which you can get for yourself before ensuring that the other people are prepared to look up to you. So I think constant self-assessment and uh, skill, skill improvisation is something you have to do all the time, irrespective respect to what you do. I think that's that's something which you have to do uh, with your day job. And uh, last, uh, last two and a half, three years has taught me a lot, to be honest. I think since uh, Bank enabled me to do limited number of transactions while I in fact one of your uh, I think in your podcast series, uh, Ashish came in from Off business, we've been uh, involved in that discussion since 2016 and we eventually funded it. right. So I've, I've seen a lot of businesses got evolved and how they've thought about it. So in the in the course of transactions sometimes, it happens that uh, you don't get time to do it, but I think in the past two two and a half years personally I have evolved a lot. Loved with lovely founders, understand their skill set, understand their way of looking at things, uh, their business building vision versus some of the other ones who've not been able to do it that well, and that passion and aggression to build something—that's uh, that's actually vibracious. So uh, that 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 is intangible learning, which I think has come in in the journey so far. And tangible learning is something which you wanna improvise your skill set all the time. Not being aware about domestically what's happening, but internationally what's happening economy-wise as well, venture capital-wise as well, startup-wise as well. So you have to be abreast about what's happening in order to make sure that you're a person looked up to by all the stakeholders.
0: that's, That's great. I think very, very candid there and great to know that, you know, I'm sure like the energy is contagious. I've been doing the podcast and part of what keeps me going is just so much of, you know, the energy and vibe that comes along with these conversations. But I think uh, overall, it's great to know that, you know, uh, it, it's going well. And the self-respect aspect that you mentioned is a definite cue. And I think uh, that's very interesting to God. Uh, I think further straight, you know, what would be interesting to understand is, How do you, uh, let's say, make decisions and prioritize, right? Considering that there is is so much to do, as you mentioned in your previous answer itself, there are multiple responsibilities. It could be administration. It could be very specific to what you're doing in a particular deal. It could be, you know, managing stakeholders. Considering that there is so much to do, how do you perhaps prioritize and make decisions? That would be uh, wonderful to understand.
1: No, I think so personally, I've always believed... uh... You're the most smartest person. If you uh, are the most or the least knowledgeable person in a team who's sitting in a room, right? So you have to get right people with you to do it. To be honest, and uh, and also delegate well. I think you have to you have to understand you can't do all the stuff yourself. It's not practically possible. So get right kind of people for right kind of things for yourself, in order to make sure that they had they have the capabilities. You can actually decentralize a lot of things. And empower them to do uh, things which can be done on uh, uh, at their level, or at least which they can do justice to. So I think it's a combination. All of these, uh, which works well. You have to understand that you have as many hours in the day, and um, um, you have to take care of everyone. How do you do that in the best possible manner and prioritize as well, while taking care of your internal people and uh, and uh, delegating well uh, is is equally critical. So I think that's 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 evolving in nature. As the work keeps on increasing, we keep on doing that. So our people addition has been as per that. Whatever uh, people we have got in the team is as per that complementary skill sets that we can build up to and start doing that.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear again. And I think... uh, a lot of uh, like delegation and ensuring that you have the right folks is the cue for me. For the second last question, Ishpreet, that uh, this is, you know, Vinod Khosla put this beautifully, is that one of the most difficult things for somebody is to understand who to go to and when. And this is especially with the context of challenging times. I'm sure that the journey must not have been as rosy as we've heard it to be. So uh, what do you do in perhaps challenging times? And what is your support system like? Any cues that you want to share in terms of, you know, when the goal Going get stuff how do you best tackle it uh, especially in the venture ecosystem i think that'd be wonderful to hear
1: no i think uh, it's it's definitely uh, there with everyone i don't think anyone can say that it's been always a smooth ride. for for me personally it was more in the first year as you rightly mentioned what kind of challenges goes behind the first time fund manager i think that validation of you able to keep your word to your stakeholder and especially investors because you're raising in the fund one and it's very difficult comparatively fund one raising is not in easy uh, 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 not not in today's scenario as well to be honest because you're entrusting someone not only money but a, a sense of confidence and responsibility i think that's first year has been decently challenging and, and you you signed for that And uh, while doing that, you need to have the right set of people which you asked, I think which you specified, going to right people at the right time. I like to believe we had always had a couple of advisors who have been kind to us in terms of that support. You should always have one or two people who you can look up to and who can give you that clear guidance and be brutally honest to you on those things. And then you can't definitely ignore the support of the family. When you start something, you need to have support of your family and uh, how do they perceive it as... So it's a combination of three. Look, I've been. Uh, I, I think I largely, while I've been a professional myself in the journey, as I s- said. So uh, most of the most of the investment or base has been created by myself out of my savings. That audacity to do it in the starting requires support of mental support of your family, if not anything, right? So I think it's a combination of all three, four things which put, comes together. But you have to be at it. I think that passion and aggression of you can't fall, and this will definitely happen. And uh, whether it happens sooner or later is a byproduct, but it it will definitely happen is something which keeps you going. And if you're doing it in the most honest manner and people around you knows that everybody will be willing to support you has been my learning so far.
0: Great. And I think uh, authenticity and just staying true to the belief that you, you know, gather the courage to follow and eventually execute on it is, is definitely my cue there. But for the last question, Ishpreet, and this has been absolutely wonderful. I think I would uh, purely ask on a qualitative basis as to, you know, what keeps you going on a more very short term level as well as on a more long term level? Because there's always these counterintuitive ideas that you can either execute, execute, execute in the shorter run or also keep out space for the longer run where you're steering the ship in certain directions, right? Uh, on both levels, you are still following a goal in the longer run and in the shorter run, you're setting some sort of goals as well. Uh what keeps you going and what is that qualitative motivation that helps you on your pathway? I think that would be a wonderful, wonderful note to end this great conversation.
1: Yeah, so uh I think you while concentrating on the shorter term goals, which is uh which which is very uh, very dynamic in today's time, Jivraj, because there are a lot of things happening in the startup ecosystem. Sometimes in our industry, also you have to make a call or 48 for 72 hours to in today's time right that's happening which has not happened in the past so that you have to be abreast in terms of in terms of what's uh, how the pulse of the market is right and uh, uh, and that short term aspect is always evolving in nature but you don't have to lose the sight of long term that how it will play out eventually whether it's for the brand, brand to get built or it's for the uh, stakeholders or it's what where we want to be ultimately, right? So that long-term goal being in sight while, while working on that short-term things which you which you are currently at is the right combination. It's very difficult to do, easier said than done. I think uh, because of the fact that every move can have not only challenges, but also have uh, effects, positive, negative effects of, of that move. So how it actually transforms into long-term strategy of uh, how I see Stride as is equally important uh, so i think i think it's a combination of both to be honest and being at being that in the site every day uh, that your current move can affect that uh, positively or negatively is is uh, very important but that site should always be constant in terms of driving you uh, every day
0: Right. No, wonderful. I think that is great. Uh, I love that last portion. And overall, every bit that you mentioned, hp thank you so much for your kind words. I think I have personally learned that, you know, you've got to be audacious, you've got to do the right things with the right set of conviction, and eventually just follow the pathway and the results will follow and your journey is a testament to it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. No, Jivraj,
1: rather I wanted to congratulate you. I have uh, I have been observing your podcast series for a while. I think what you have come out is tremendous. Uh, the kind of people and the engagement and the content which you have brought in is absolutely great. And wishing you all, all the luck for your future podcast series and keep on doing well. Thanks Thanks for having me. Really, the uh, pleasure was all mine.
0: With that, we come to the end of the 70th episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast with Ishpreet Singh Gandhi, Founder and Managing Partner of Stride Ventures. It was phenomenal to dive deeper into Ishpreet's thoughts of innovating in venture and building the Startup Bank of India. The velocity of innovation for Stride has been incredible and we intently await to see how things unfold in the future. Thank you so much for tuning in, I really hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you're finding value with the podcast, do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice. Drop in a review or subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox. Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, I hope you recall. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay
1: tuned and keep building